Kieran. I'm Hannah. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Press release from the American Academy of Pediatrics, Orlando, Florida. Corporal punishment, or the use of spanking as a disciplinary tool, increases aggression in young children in the long run and is ineffective in teaching a child responsibility and self-control. In fact, new evidence suggests that it may cause harm to the child by affecting normal brain development. Other methods that teach children right from wrong are safer and more effective. Corporal punishment and harsh verbal abuse may cause a child to be fearful in the short term, but does not improve behavior over the long term and may cause more aggressive behaviors, according to the AAP. In one study, young children who were spanked more than twice a month at age 3 were more aggressive at age 5. These same children at age 9 still exhibited negative behaviors and lower, lower receptive vocabulary scores, according to the research. Research has shown that striking a child Yelling at or shaming them can elevate stress hormones and lead to changes in the brain's architecture. Harsh verbal abuse is also linked to mental health problems in preteens and adolescents. Hi, Karen. Hey, Hannah. Um, I'm pretty excited about this statement. I feel vindicated. I mean, it's, it's, if the money was directed at studying this stuff earlier, we would have known this stuff before. I'm just really gl- glad that like somebody is finally paid for the research into this mm-hmm. because we knew all this. Yeah. Yeah. I and, feel like it's something we've been saying for a while. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of of the school of thought that that believes that there if they did more research into this, they would discover that a child's body cannot tell the difference between spanking and the the physical arousal reaction that that event causes and being sexually assaulted as a child mm-hmm. or molested. Yep. Um which is a bit of an extreme assertion, but the little evidence there is seems to suggest that that's true and I again it's about the money if people would just fund that study, I'm sure I'm sure that the results would come out along that. And we've kind of touched on corporal punishment a bit before and it's something that i've noticed just by existing because it's such a huge part of like it's not just fundamentalist culture it's a huge part of american culture like my parents entire generation was just very like no spanking is how you train kids and it's been that way for so long and we keep wondering why we're so violent and it's like well you're you're hitting children before they even understand what they're being hit for what do you expect to happen Right, and if you're if you're trying to if you look at any of the um, psychology behind like attachment theory, um, which is a like kind of a school of thought about how you build bonds with other humans and how you um, build relationships and develop empathy and all of that, attachment theory really does reinforce the the fact that if someone that you're attached to turns on you and hits you. In these formative stages of child development, you cannot tell the difference between yep. that and like what the rest of the world sees as normal love. And so that's what you look for. You look to get hurt when you go into relationships ever after. Yep. It has these massive, massive 
ramifications. And I think a lot of this, like a lot of the ignorance stems from, um, or a lot of the assumptions around this stems from a large scale public ignorance about child development and how child mm-hmm. develop, how child psychology works. I think yeah. they think that we, like their brains are the same as ours from the get. Yeah, yeah. What always really bothers me about parents who haven't bothered to study child development at all is they're like surprised that their child doesn't like spring forth fully knowing everything that it took them their entire life to figure out it's like no children don't have the ability to parse this like my mom told me when i was three not to cry in public and because i was three when she told me that i did not understand the nuance that meant like don't cry in front of people because they'll make fun of you because that's what she was saying. So what I did was I just didn't cry at all, ever, ever. in front of yeah. anyone until I was like 20. Obviously, today's episode is about corporal punishment, about spanking. And we're going to get pretty serious here. Um, and we're not going to mince words. So please know, like, this is your content warning. If this is too much for you, please bail come back and listen to our next episode or listen to earlier episodes because this one's going to be a little bit heavy. Yeah, heavy, heavy trigger warning for this episode. Take care of yourself. Drink lots of water. Yes, and coffee. And coffee. Are you able to breathe at all? Do you want to let people know how you're doing in Oakland right now? Yeah, I haven't like been able to see the skyline in like a week and a half. Uh, but no, the air is terrible. I am basically, I live in a like old Victorian, it used to be a hotel, but it's converted into apartments. So my living room like seals itself off from the rest of the apartment. So I am just running an air purifier in here and it's, it's like the one pocket of air and there is a noticeable difference between my living room and my kitchen Mm. as far as being able to breathe because the Victorian has no insulation. Hmm. So, yeah, it's rough, but I'm I'm quarantining myself in a living room with breathable air, and I'm just not leaving. Uh, I got a... I was going to go to school on Thursday, and I got a text while I was on my way there that campus was shutting down. And then, like, two hours later, they sent out another email, text, phone call thing. They were like, the entire Peralta district is shut down until Monday because of the air quality. It's terrible. Man, that's rough. Well, please be careful. Please continue wearing your Yes, I'm wearing my mask. I'm I'm actually like beyond the VOG mask usefulness at this point. So if you're listening from California and you have like the ability to go to a hardware store and get yourself a respirator and a P100 filter, do that uh, because that will be way better for you. I did see um, your friend Jesse was saying that, like, the quality has gotten a little better in the last two days. Yeah, well, it has uh, where they live. Um, oh, gotcha. But slightly not north of me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, please be careful. I'm glad you're here. So, spanking is a big part of American culture in general. But it's very, it's it's prevalent in fundamentalist Christian culture in a kind of a different way, there's it's not just something that's accepted as a thing people do. It's something that is like expected. It's not yeah, it's expected and it's it's theologically justified 
And, I mean, it's like the difference between someone who, like, doesn't have an opinion about guns and someone who's, like, a card-carrying member of the NRA. Right. Yes. Um, it's, like, there's an entire theological rubric backing this up. Right. And there's there's books on exactly how you should spank your children and discipline them. There's an entire, like market, I guess, dedicated to corporal punishment in Christian fundamentalism. Well, yeah, beyond the books, there's like a black market in spankers that won't leave, that purportedly won't leave bruises. Like there's, there is a black, there is a whole market around this. I mean, I had a a childhood friend whose dad was like selling them at homeschool conventions. Oh my God. Yeah. He was making them at home. It's, it's a whole thing. Um, So... One thing to preface all this is what I mentioned about child psychology is that not only are these people unwilling to accept that child psychology is real, they're also unwilling to accept that any mental health issues are real. I think that's right. that's a pretty fundamental piece underlying all of this um, for spanking. Like, if you have depression or anxiety, it's Anxiety is like, you're not praying enough. You're not like giving your worries over to God. Depression is like, you don't have faith in God's providence and goodness and like plan for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything beyond that is just like demon possession. Like it's, they yep. really just yeah, don't yeah. acknowledge that these things are real. And so when it comes to child psychology, um, they already have this this doubled down mindset of like, yeah, that's fake. You want to talk about the theological side of it, Kieran? You want to? Yeah. So it comes from like the biblical justification for beating your children, because let's not let's not mince things. It's it's just beating. Uh, comes from these two places in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs twenty three verses thirteen and fourteen, which is uh, in the New King James Version, because it's too early in the morning to read King James. Uh, You're gonna hell. You're <laughs> yeah, gonna hell know, for, your, for your your modern your modernist. I'm I'm reading the version bullshit. of the Bible that has been tainted by Satan. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, Proverbs twenty three thirteen and fourteen. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. And the the other one that is is referenced is Proverbs thirteen twenty four, which uh, in the NIV I know I'm, I'm like totally you're totally heretical all- right I mean, now I know <laughs> now the, now this is you've gone from like modernist bullshit to postmodernist I know, bullshit and like I, know. I don't think you ha- you believe in morals at all I I mean clearly have you seen do you my even hair be- do you even believe in a literal six day creation. <laughs> Not since I watched Cosmos. Um, Speaking of which, guys, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a rapist. Look it up. Bye. Not surprised. He like did a Bill Cosby in like 1984. Oh my god! I'm a classmate in grad school. Okay, I'm done. Uh, I'm done with that rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get really mad about it. I'm so. I'm just disheartened. I'm not surprised. I'm just mer. All right. Proverbs 13, 24 in the NIV. 
Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So that's where you get the uh, the uh, spare the rod, spoil the child adage. Is it, yeah. it comes from that verse in Proverbs. And then there's the where's the verse that's the train up a child in the way he will go, and when he is old, he it's will old not depart from, from it. Yeah, that's somewhere also in Proverbs. And that's uh, the one that's um, the title of one of these books. Yes, to train up a child by Dobson. Yeah, right. So Dobson yeah. kind of started all this. If you don't, if you're not familiar with Dobson, he um, founded Focus on the Family. He was part of that whole group, and um, he really like brings these like 1950s like ideal family kind of stereotypes into his work. Um, and I'm sorry for listeners that the dog is chewing a bone in the background and I can't get her to leave the room. Um, <laughs> um, so Dobson, Dobson, um, found a focus on the family, which we all know from Adventures in Odyssey and from, they did the, the teen magazine Brio for a while. They, um, and they really kind of like established themselves as this like, very respectable organization that you could go to as the authority on almost anything Christian. Um, and they would encompass like pretty much any evangelical denominations viewpoint in like the most simple terms. And, uh, and he wrote this book called to train up a child where he lays out his theories of child rearing. And they are, Based on this theology where you believe that children are fundamentally sinful. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, like, the, the theory of original sin and all of that for a sec? Yeah, so it comes from uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and Eve ate the fruit or whatever, and, like, from then on, humanity was cursed and bad, and, and you were no longer born in like God's goodness or whatever, you were born a terrible, sinful creature who's going to hell and needs to be saved. Right, because you were... there's no way to escape that, and you are just bad by default because of that sin that happened. The sins of the father are passed down to the child. Oh, wait, that's a different verse that says the opposite. That's a different thing. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the Bible's full of contradictions like this, like... There's you don't another, need to logic there's, it. There's another passage that like completely debunks this, but, um, but the theory of original sin that the church has taught over the centuries, the Catholic Church and the Protestants alike, is that because Adam sinned, everyone else is born with this sin oh, nature. Right. Yes, the part I missed was that it wasn't it wasn't Eve's sin that was the original sin. She was the catalyst. The actual sin was Adam listening to Eve and biting the apple, at least as I was taught it. Right, so men ignore your wives. Like Right. Actually, I've heard sermons that have posited that based yep. on that logic. Um so yeah, you get this whole thing where in the Catholic Church in order for Jesus to be born sinless, Mary had to be born sinless so that she didn't pass her original sin on down to him. And there was like a special dispensation for her birth where she was born without sin. 
that's like a whole thing that's well super, and jesus was like, born without sin because he didn't have a father his father was god so like no no like they, they say it's matrilineal like that's like oh my god that's why that's why mary had to be born without sin but in the evangelical church we don't we don't parse that that far yeah, yeah. we just we just get to the abuse really quick why waste time really why waste time on esoterics when you can destroy someone's life in the present so you are born fundamentally sinful and so there's this like i re- i remember my father and other fathers in our church being like holding a cute little baby and being like oh look at you you like precious little sinner like a newborn who hadn't done anything besides like shit and sleep. Right. But because you're born with every sin ever by default, you like can't come back from that. There's My that, parents like- had to do this hack, this theology hack to like explain how my my stillborn siblings were in heaven because they they didn't live, so they so their spirits were still in heaven because they like weren't born alive. Well, that's a there's a Baptist there's a whole Baptist thing called the Age of Accountability where um, that's why like they won't baptize children yeah. like infants, so they won't baptize infants because they believe that like you until you understand the ramifications of your sin um, can't be held accountable for your actions. Yeah. So I grew up in a much more reformed Protestant doctrine where they would dedicate children and have you baptized later. Um, but infant baptism is definitely um, a part of that that tradition when you get into more theological, pure strains of it in like the Presbyterian Church or whatever, um, where they do believe that the child can be held accountable, and so that's why mm. they baptize them at infancy. Um, and that's why when Baptist kids like are seven or eight, they like are urged to like accept the Lord Jesus as your yeah. Lord and Savior because that's when it becomes a question. Because like at seven or eight, you're like more conscious of the world. You understand a little bit of right and wrong, and that your your decisions have consequences. And as soon as you can understand that your decisions have consequences, then you are theologically responsible for. Accepting, yeah. yeah, accepting your actions. So that's that whole thing. Yeah, where yeah, my parents discovered that after the stillborns, and they were like, "Ah, yes, this this makes sense." Right. So that's why when you like see the, like the Left Behind movie, like all the babies go away, mm-hmm. all the yep. kids under seven disappear because they that's that theology being played out in real life. So your parents. Dude, they were they as hardcore as mine about like believing that the like little children were sinful. Yeah, um, I don't know that they like. I don't remember them ever holding a baby and being like, "Oh, you're such a cute little sinner." But they definitely went to great lengths to remind us how how like you know sinful we were and how bad we were and how we needed Jesus to save us and how we were not good by default and we were just terrible, horrible human beings by default unless we were Christian. Uh, like, eventually, like, they encountered the Age of Accountability stuff, so, like, that didn't hit so much uh, for for infants as, like, you would have thought initially. But they still saw everyone and treated everyone as, like, basically demons who were just, like, they always, the thing that this does is it always... It always ascribes malice to things that are just ignorant. So, like right. you're you're seeing your child being a child, 
uh, and you see that as like a rebellious, sinful nature for them learning basic dexterity. Right. So a very common example would be like kid is 18 months old, two years old, and won't eat the oatmeal that you have given him for breakfast. That is an, interpreted as an act of rebellion. Yep. So I've known parents who would like starve their child until the child broke down and ate the oatmeal from like day one. Sometimes it may take like a couple of days. Um, sometimes it would just take like an afternoon or like hours sitting in the play chair, high chair or whatever. But um, like that kind of like, eh, I don't want to eat it or like, oh, I'm throwing it on the floor. Like, which is a lot of kids like learning how the world works, learning how physics works, learning mm-hmm. how limits and authority work. And autonomy. They're just, yeah, they're just testing. They're just testing boundaries and like collecting data. It's not malicious, but that's interpreted as malicious, and so they're punished as if it is intentionally yep. disrespectful. Yep. So when when did your family start spanking kids? They've always spanked. Like from what age? Uh, I want to say like around the time kids could start crawling and like getting into things. So can you give me like an example? Like, of how like that I want to say like yeah. So, like, if one of my siblings who, like, was crawling or whatever, and a a lot of the time it was for things like trying to play with something they shouldn't be getting into that, like, could hurt them or whatever, and they'd just, like, whack their hands away from the object, which is something that is pretty standard for most people. Did they do blanket training? No, my parents didn't, but I know people who did, um, and I feel like that is just ridiculously cruel and so utter bullshit blanket training <sighs> forgive me if I get, i'm getting this wrong because I, I i have i bought these books for research and i haven't had the the guts to open them up yet um i believe it's from the ezos yes okay and the ezos wrote these the series of, of parenting books that are purportedly based on like stages of child development they're not actually. They're not at all. They're not scientific. They're really, really bad. If you want to look at a good... Um, if you want to learn how to damage your children's relationship to you from day one, follow that. Yeah. So the Ezos, they would lay a child, maybe like a, a three or four month old, um, you know, something where they're starting to like roll over and scoot a little bit, and they lay them on a blanket, and they put something just outside of their reach off the blanket and they'd be like wait for the child to go reach for it and then they'd like hit them and say no and like train them to not reach for anything outside of this like limited box um and they they talk about like like actually breaking your child's rebellious spirit yeah also the the pearls and dobson talk about breaking your children's rebellious spirit okay so what what does that mean what is what does that phrase entail or encapsulate what are the assumptions yeah like what what does it imply the way i experienced it was like any any assertion of of individuality or autonomy that goes against whatever your parent deems is acceptable uh is seen as rebellious and your parent is allowed by god to literally beat that out of you 
I know so many people who've who've just like been beaten by their parents for minor things and and my parents had like this system of checks where uh if you got one check for like any minor any infraction but any mm-hmm. minor infraction uh you'd get like a talking to if you got two checks you'd get one spank and if you got three or more checks then you would get like beat five times with a belt just to like physically stop you from expressing whatever it was that you were expressing or doing whatever it was that you were doing which could have been something like starting a fight with a sibling but it could also have been forgetting to do a chore right so did you guys have the um one, did you have any, like, way of appealing punishment? And two, did your parents um, talk about, my parents were really big on this, the, like, delayed obedience is not obedience and first-time obedience or nothing? Yes. Yeah. It was It was first-time obedience or nothing, but we didn't have an appeal. I can't remember who came up with this. I feel like it might have been Ted Tripp the, to um, shepherding your child's heart stuff. But it's, like, this idea of, like, if your child says, like, <laughs> Just a minute, they are testing your limits, and that's mm-hmm. a way of subverting your authority. So you mm-hmm. need to like crack down on that and break them of that habit. And so they have to be prompt and immediate and responsive. Immediate and cheerful. And cheerful, right. I was punished for, for not being cheerful enough, even if I was immediate. Right, because your attitude is another way you can subvert the authority and... If you're not in line with that, um, like, cheerful obedience, then you are obeying but rebelling in your heart, and it's still the same level of disrespect. Yep. Or if not, like, I feel like sometimes that's almost seen as worse, at least by my parents. They, like, that was was more of what they came after me for is, is... my like when whenever I was exhausted and I lost the ability to mask that mm-hmm. that was when I would get like the most punished yeah I would get that kind of like in high school when I started like not being able to wake up at six naturally <laughs> and like my mm-hmm. body wanted more sleep because I was you know growing and changing and needed more rest um I would get in so much trouble for like sleeping until eight in the morning because yeah, like that was me being like rebellious and disrespectful and not like participating and helping the family. Right. Definitely not something that your body literally needed for you to grow and develop. Oh, no, 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 that's ridiculous. So my family started spanking probably around six eight months not mm-hmm. hard um but definitely like as soon as you were walking and getting into stuff like that's when it like got super serious yeah um and my mom to her credit like kind of knew this something was messed up with us and i remember this whole like really weird way of talking about it that she would have where she'd be like i struggle with like with discipline where she would like Mm -hmm. see herself as a bad parent because she didn't like spanking her children which reading reading between the lines tells me that there was an other side to that conversation where my father would i would assume did enjoy spanking the Mm -hmm. children i don't know i don't understand that 
Um, but it's it's interesting to think about. Um, and he would often get like my mom would like delay punishments until the end of the day when he would get home and then yeah. he'd, like hand us over to him and be like, You deal with it. Which is really she compared it to being sent to the principal's office, but like there would be times where like you would get sent to the the like half bathroom downstairs and like told to just like wait there until your father came home. And it might be like four o'clock in the afternoon and you might wait there for an hour. Oh my and god. And it would be like just like stay in there until your father gets home to like deal with you. Yeah. My mom also did that where she would wait for my dad to get home. My dad would be the one who administered it. How did this make you feel about yourself as a like a human? What did, what were your I was terrible. I thought I was awful and going to hell and there was nothing that could be done. I thought I was just like, I mean, it worked because that was what they told me is that I was just like this terrible human being who deserves nothing. And I was like, my dad literally sat us down on the couch and told us that we were worth less than dirt if we weren't. Oh, Christians. yeah. That phrase, and, that phrase yeah. came up yep. a lot. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it, I think some of it comes from like the, the Calvinist theology stuff where they, you know, if you read Jonathan Edwards, um, sinners in the hands of an angry God, there's all these metaphors of like, um, you're a worm mm-hmm. being held over a fire. You're a vile thing that God is repulsed by. And like yep. this, this comes up in Job. Like he talks about this stuff and like, oh, I'm yeah, like less than, that's where know. my parents got it. Yeah. I'm less than dirt. So there's this like, there's this like rich theology of like seeing yourself as shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think they, the apostle really Paul might actually that. have used that phrase. Like, yeah. like you like saying my good works are shit. Like, like actually the Greek word for poop like there's this there's a really like strong christian tradition around this and so yeah i thought that i deserved it and then yep yeah i definitely thought i deserved it i i thought i deserved everything that my parents did to me did your parents ever explain the gospel in terms of spankings mm. i just had a, a or i just remembered something my yeah, not that I remember. To... Okay, so my god, my my dad, my god, wow, ooh, ooh. Freud, ooh, yeah. ooh. <laughs> Freud in there. <laughs> All right, gonna take a minute. Um, my dad used to talk about how uh, God punishing his son for our sins was like if my mom volunteered to take my spanking. Yeah, okay, yeah, they did explain it kind of like that also. And, like, I remember one time I, like, was like, cool, I'm going to try this. My sister was, like, being sent to the bathroom, and I was like, well, if I'm a Christian, this is the thing that you do, so I'm going to take punishment for her. And I don't know why I had this, like, super twisted little uh, understanding of it, but I did. And so I, like, did it, and my father, like, kind of went to the bathroom. I don't think he had the heart to spank me. I think he's like, like I, he was pretty angry at my sister, and I think it just like dissolved as soon as we closed the door. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna like hit." I think he like like hit the toilet to like make a noise or hit his hand mm-hmm. to make noise so that like everybody would think that he spanked me, and he didn't. But like it was this idea of yeah, of, like substitutionary atonement that was really deep there. Yep. No. Yeah. I also now that you mentioned that, that was totally also a thing. I. Had, that didn't really happen very much, but things were explained that way. Yeah. My parents would, like, 
pull your pants down, smack your butt. Mm-hmm. If you, and there was like this whole thing about like you weren't supposed to cry because that was like disrespecting the oh wow the system. Yeah, like we would have to show appropriate remorse afterward, but like mm-hmm. if you like fought or bucked or like reacted, it would be um, you would be seen as like resisting your fate, <laughs> and like that was oh, disrespectful. Wow. We were kind of the opposite, where like we were expected to cry, and mm-hmm. so I retaliated by not crying. <laughs> I would retaliate by like getting angry and that's actually how my spankings finally ended was when mm-hmm. I was 16 and my father was still spanking me fairly regularly and I just like kind of turned on him and like y'all have to know like I was pretty skinny but like when I was 12 or 13 people were assuming that I was the parent of whatever baby I was carrying I did not look same I did not look as quite as young as I was and part of that was what, how I was dressed but also that was like puberty stuff so it was kind of kind of messed up that my father was still yeah. spanking me at 16 um yeah. like really what the yeah my parents stopped heck? as soon as like we were like as soon as the girls were like 11 or 12 like as yeah. soon like as soon as my period started happening spankings for me stopped okay. like that never became so a that thing. was not a thing and I I think I definitely tried to get out of spankings at one point by being like, yeah, I'm on my period. And he was like, well, it doesn't matter. Just keep your underwear on. But, which, you know, again, really kind no, of No, that is fucked up. Um, yeah, so, like, my last spanking hap- like, happened when I was 16, and I had been taking martial arts for a couple years, and I suddenly realized I know how to, like, take this guy down. Yes. I don't think... He really wants to be doing this anymore. And I, I, I feel like I was so angry about whatever was happening. I don't think I actually mm-hmm. hit him. Maybe I did. But I remember, like, reminding him, you have been putting me through martial arts. I know how to fight back. Are you sure that you want to do this? <laughs> and we kind of, like, that was a truce that happened. But this mindset of, of authority was pervasive and, like, persisted until yeah, I was, like, you know, 20 and dating my boyfriend and decided to, that kissing was not sinful. And we, then my father found out like six months later and he confronted me and he was like, why didn't you ask my permission? By not asking my permission, you're like, like blatantly disrespecting my authority. Like there's this, oh uh, this like sense of like yep. possession of me and what my body did. That was really deep down, yeah. and, I, and it comes. It, it all comes from this like spanking control stuff. Yep, spanking teaches kids and parents that like their body isn't theirs, and it's mm-hmm. up to the parent to do whatever it is that they want with it, and it, and it's theirs to determine. And that is so bad. Right, it is so, so terrible. That's the, the the psychological side of why I. I consider spanking to be sexual, like sexual abuse of children. Yeah, because it it teaches them that like their their body does not belong to them. That suffering and un, like non consensual encounters are to be expected and normal. And yep. and it teaches them that they don't get a say. 
Like they don't get yeah. to fight back because if they fight back, and if they fight back, it's worse. They're just dis- disrespecting God. Yeah. It's yeah. so fucked it, it's up. It's so bad. It's, it's so, bad. so bad. It goes so far and touches so many things. There's this whole thing that I've been experiencing with my puppy because I've been training a puppy this entire time we've been doing this podcast, right? And when I was 12, I was doing so much babysitting for my siblings. And there were a couple instances where I got like pretty physical with my younger siblings when I was babysitting because I was so frustrated and angry and they were so out of control and like I didn't know how to control them and I'd sort of been given latent permission to spank so it kind of just like Mm -hmm. went for it um and I'm super ashamed of that like I feel like that but also I was a kid and I didn't have the tools I needed and so I've always been a little leery of like Mm -hmm. would I be a good mom because I don't know if I have the self-control to like be the adult in the room because of those experiences when I was younger um but having this dog has been so reassuring because it's like oh yeah you can do that and mm-hmm. i don't like she can be getting into stuff and like destroying a really nice pair of shoes or something and i'm like she's a puppy like she's like going for things that like smell good and like she wants to taste like this is an interesting like set mm-hmm. of sensory experiences and she's just exploring the world around her i don't feel at all inclined to hit her. Yeah. I don't feel at all inclined to yell at her. Sometimes if she's not focusing and she's like trying to like run off on me and I've got her in the yard without a leash, like maybe I'll yell then. And that's just to get her attention. But it's like none of the impulses for corporal punishment that I watched my parents act out on me mm-hmm. reside in my body. <laughs> yep. I don't yep. feel inclined to do that because I, I, I guess like... I think this is where my mother saying she struggled with discipline comes down to is like, I think you have to train yourself to be a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. My mom and my, my parents would talk like we had this, uh, wooden paddle that hung up in the kitchen and we never used a paddle for spankings, but we had one anyway that just Ah. said, this hurts me as much as it hurts you. And every time I saw that, I was just like, bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. No, I think my Bullshit. mom, I think that's why my mom didn't like it. I think she like legitimately was like grieved over like the yeah. theology and like really was aware of cognitive dissonance there. I don't think my father gave a shit. Yeah. Yeah. My mom would, would kind of get hung up on it sometimes and like, I'm so sorry that whatever. And I'm like, you have the choice to not do mm-hmm. this. Like, you are the adult in the room. But you don't have a choice because if you don't do it, then your child is going to hell. Right. Yeah. So it's just so it's so hinged on everything. And and also, if you don't, then it means you don't actually love your kid. Like it it also it, oh, it right. tells yeah. the person perpetrating it that the only way to love someone is to be abusive. So it tells the victim to expect abuse as love and it tells the person perpetrating it. That that it's is love. So and then we twisted. wonder why we have this problem. <laughs> it's so twisted. And then people are like, so why were you with your ex-husband anyway? And I'm like, well, you see, <laughs> there's this it's whole like really story. twisted mindset behind all of this. Like I didn't, I literally didn't think I could get any better than that. Mm-hmm. I still have trouble trusting people who are super sincere and nice. At the get. Yeah. Like, I have a set of professors who are just the nicest people in the whole world. 
And when I first met them, I was like, you guys are good, too good to be real. Like, I don't believe that this is, I think this is an act. And it wasn't, and it's it's great, but it was, that's that's the residual effect of this. Yeah. It's like expecting like people who care about you to be mean yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, the trust issues it brings up. Oh. They're huge. It's so, they are, they are, and, and like, of, of all of the people I know, even though my parents like are very adamant about spanking, I had less of it because my parents eventually realized, well, one, my parents had boundaries and, and like everyone else I know, their parents didn't stop at puberty, but my parents were like, no, there is a line here. We're not, we're not spanking past like this point. You're lucky. And and that was rare. And so instead they were like, we'll just berate you and verbally abuse you and emotionally abuse you and all that. But <laughs> I, I We did our job to... well enough that we should be able to control you, but just by guilt. Exactly. And and that's I feel like that's rare in in like my experiences with other people. So but it it still is enough to to mess up your your sense of trust and it's just terrible. Um, so thank you, American Academy of Pediatrics. Yes. Par- parents, don't spank your kids. Learn a b- little bit about like child development. There's so many and better understand, ways. Understand that there's a reason your child is acting the way they are. It's and it's not malicious. And They're it's learning. not malicious. They're oh man, the kids They're that just I've, being kids. The kids that I have met who did not get spanked ever. Yeah. Are the most like empathetic, sweet, like um, eager to like help and be mm-hmm. participating and like listen and like respect other people. They're so good. It's so great to see like that's that, that possibility. Yeah, so it's, it's surprising how if you put more than the minimum amount of effort into having a relationship with a kid and teaching them something instead of going straight to hitting them, that they learn how to use their words and accept feelings and interact with people in a way that isn't violent. Right. So, America, you could probably solve your shooting problem if you stop spanking people. And um, and church, like, re-examine your theology. This is really messed Seriously. up. Anything else you want to say? I want to swear, mostly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that's um, that's I will, where I'm I, at now. I will just say one thing. Um, we're on the board of the Homes Coalition for Responsible Home Education, which we've mentioned before. And um, we this this organization we're part of maintains a database called Homeschoolings Invisible Children, and it's all these like instances of child abuse or death from that were like enabled by homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times when there's a death involved um, from a religious homeschooling family, one of these books that we've mentioned has been in the home yep, and has been least. recommended by those parents. And um, especially the Pearls book, like the Pearls book is like directly caused The Pearls book a is like a children. how-to guide. Yeah. It's how to make yourself a sociopath and murder your child. Yeah. Um, a lot of parents have taken stuff so far. That they've gone beyond this, like, emotional terrorism and physical terrorism in the home and, like, broken themselves of any empathy for their child. Yeah. And then killed them. 
And so you, there's a, like a really, really dark place this can go beyond um, everything we've talked about already. And if you want to look into that more, you can look at that database, look at the, the case of Hannah Williams, H-A-N-A. She is kind of the, the, the poster child for um, how this can go wrong and our kind of watchword in terms of like, remember Hannah Williams, remember where what this can do Mm -hmm. don't spank your kids just don't spank your kids just don't so much easier to not so much better for the world alright well thanks for joining us we'll see you next week if like there's still air in California Um, join our Patreon check us out on and uh, subscribe if you want to get access to this stuff 24 hours earlier than the rest of the world. If you want access to um, After Dark episodes where we get inebriated and swear and have fun, <laughs> it's really great. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm H.A. Ettinger. I'm MX Darkwater. And um, you can give us coffee money or wine money if you if you please. Um, mine is uh, Venmo at the same handle as my Twitter. Uh, and my square hash is square hash. My square hash <laughs> handle is Kieran K E. I can't spell right now. I'm exhausted. The smoke's K-I-E. getting to me. K I E R Y N. It's been a week it's of not being week. able to breathe. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's save some air and stop talking. Yes. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye.